0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 12, A Game of Telephone. This week, we heard Bob break down the call record matrix. We also got a bonus episode from cell phone expert Ian Patterson. So we got to hear a little bit of conversation between Bob and Ian about how they broke down the cell phone records. I know I have a lot of thoughts about this. I'm joined today with Bob and Janet. And right after this break, we're going to get into all your questions.
1: Alrighty, righty, so before we get into questions, uh, again, just like last week, there were so many questions. I try to limit them. As, when I, Janet, when I was making the outline for you, I'm going through like 100 questions. I'm like, I'm just going to keep this. We're need to. we always running over an hour. Keep these tight. And it's like, but that's a good one, and that's a good one. And yeah. nobody's asked that yet, and it ends up being super long. So we have a ton of questions to get to. I uh, just really want to, again, mention to you guys, so you guys will be hearing this on, what, the 17th? Um, so your shirts should be, according to Betsy, who's making our shirts, should be, like, in the mail today when you're hearing this. Because she said nice. everybody will have them by the 20th. I'm still getting a ton of emails, people asking where their shirts are. Should be coming out very soon. Again, if you're going to West Memphis, a lot of people are asking me, can we get into the court? It's it's public. They're letting people in. I have no idea what the what the capacity is going to be or if everybody will be able to make it in. But I would say if, if you want to support the West Memphis 3, show up, wear your shirt if you have it. We definitely want to take photos of the, uh, you know, get a big group shot of everybody wearing their Tesla the Fucking Evidence shirts. Um, so bring the, bring the shirts. Uh, there may or may not be some film crews there. Hint, hint. uh Wear your shirts. Be there to support. Uh, many of you will be able to go. In. And remember, if you're planning on going in, bring a different shirt. You cannot wear that shirt inside of the courtroom if you're able to go in. So bring something else. And
2: don't tell yourself you have a jacket or sweater to put on over it because it's probably going to be hot. And then you'll be like, oh, no, I thought I could just put this blazer on over it. But now I can't because I'm too hot.
1: Yeah. And they probably will make you take that off when you go through the metal detector screening. And if they see it, they might still boot you. So
2: definitely change your shirt.
1: Yeah. Have a, have a different shirt to change into. And, again, if you can't get in, I don't know how long the hearing is going to be, but, you know, if not everybody's able to get in, that means there will still be a big group of supporters that are outside that will be able to hang out together. Again, I I, I intend on having a film crew down there, too, that maybe just, like, grab some interviews of people and stuff during that process. I know there's going to be a uh, press conference afterwards, and we'll have some kind of a meetup afterwards, too. You know, we'll try to, you know, everybody that's there will all go somewhere so you'll get to hang out with. Me and Zach, I know Jillian Pensabale is going to be there.
2: I'm so envious.
1: Even if you can't get in, I think it'll be very much worth the the trip to go. Um, So don't be afraid to go. Bring your shirts. Bring another shirt if you want to go inside. Um, And those shirts should be in your hands, hopefully by Monday or Tuesday next week. Uh, And then uh, speaking of which, because Zach and I are going to Memphis next week we have to leave on Wednesday morning which is when we usually record for those of you that like to watch the YouTube live during the tapings of our Friday follow-up next week we're going to be recording at 7 p.m. Eastern 4 p.m. Pacific on Tuesday so we're recording a day early and in the evening time so we can get all that recorded and then we can hit the road uh, first thing on Wednesday morning I think that's all the housekeeping that we have for now
2: great well, I know that <laughs> every single episode, there's so many questions that are raised. It, does, it feels like most of the questions that we have still can't quite be answered yet. Yet we've rolled out a bunch of new information that leads okay. to more questions. So I'll be very curious about what some of your answers are for some of the great listener questions that we have today. Um, I definitely have some thoughts of my own. I'm very, super curious what Zach thinks.
1: Well, yeah, r- real quick. Yeah, let's, let's briefly go through what were your guys' thoughts? What were your takeaways?
0: Well, let me be fully transparent in that I didn't get around to the bonus episode.
2: I didn't get the bonus episode.
1: Yeah, uh, I should address that too. Uh, first of all, I don't expect, as I told Janet, it's not required listening. It's pretty rough because it's just an unedited phone conversation. The connection's not great, and it's super technical, the stuff we're talking about. But if you were interested in the conversation with Ian Patterson, it is up on our feed. Um, And for you patrons, I apologize. By the time you hear this, this problem will be resolved. But Janet, who's a uh, patron who pays for the ad-free version, um, I forgot to put it on to the Patreon feed. So she didn't see it. So I'll be doing that so that you'll be able to listen
0: to that later.
2: Thank you, Bob.
0: All right. Back to the main episode. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, I really appreciated how you broke down. You kind of created a matrix so we could see Mm -hmm. where all the key players came in. And then broke down each individual, which I think really helped with the timeline because there are some timing issues still. Mm-hmm. I feel like the episode still raises a ton of questions for me. One of the things I want to ask you really quick is, you know, Becky's records that day are pretty excessive. Is that is that normal for her?
1: They're very normal for her. the The odd part for her is the the inactivity after seven thirty seven p.m. Like okay. she. You, you can, as uh, had you listened to the bonus episodes, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> so Ian went through all of her records for like the whole month. Okay. Um, And he points out, it's like, you can literally see when she's sleeping because right. like, like if she's awake, her phone is going, he's, 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 I don't remember I said, but there's like a handful of times over like the 18 days of, of records we have where she's not active on her phone for two hours. Okay. Which would, you know, so I like assume like she's got to be, she's got to sleep sometimes uh, at some point. So, yeah, that's definitely normal for her.
0: Okay. Cause that, that was a big question for me is, you know, we saw this activity, but is that, is that alluding to something or is that normal? So it sounds like if, if it's normal, then yeah, that just opens for more questions. Sure.
2: Yeah. For me, it was, uh, boy, I don't know if there's been a case that has reminded me so much of Adnan. And Mm -hmm. the call logs and just trying to be so careful, as I know you are and encourage everyone to be, uh, that we don't know what we don't know and that we have to be so careful about assigning meaning to things without knowing Mm -hmm. the context because that does get us into trouble, right? Trying to – it's such a fine line because it's obviously an investigative tool and it's so crucially important. Yet at the same time, you don't know enough about what's happening in these conversations to want to attach too much to stuff because we've seen innocent people get convicted for exactly that reason.
1: Right. It was for me, it was the the reason I went back through and broke down each individual because I was trying to see like trying to. And again, it's it's speculative. Right. But so we have to keep that in mind. But I'm trying to look at, okay, what was this person doing based on what we can see on their phone? To get an idea, and I think you get a pretty good idea about what's going on with Becky. Although the stuff we're, we'll talk about in the questions that you know could go several different ways. You look at, at Javier, and it's like it's like it, it's kind of cool, really, because you know he tells police, "Oh, I went up to Anza, I was driving around, and then I came back down." It's like you can literally track that on his records. Like, yeah, like he's in the valley, he's got no service. He's in Anza. He's in Aguanga. He's back in Anza. He's got no service. He's back in the valley. You can track his trip up there. And then like like Robert and Christian, like you can see, and I know people have different takes on it. Some people are like, well, you can see very obviously he was trying to avoid Becky's calls. And then other people, uh, you know, have a different take on that, that there was a, a different reason that he was, they were ignoring calls. But like you can see, you know, when people were active, the, the big question mark, I think, is Jacob, whose phone's off kind of mm-hmm. all day. But then you can see like the flurry of calls the next day from people. It just really helps to paint a picture, I think, of, it can go either way in a lot of cases, but it's an idea of the mindset that these
0: people were in. I had a minor thought listening to the episode too about Robert. Not trying to defend Robert in this idea, but we we know that Robert told Javi that he canceled the hike. Right, but, but we don't have. You know, Javi never said that Becky told him that. Becky told him that Robert was coming for a hike. Right. So I just wonder if it's that that teenage boy. High school thing where he's he's actually telling the truth and lying all at the same time.
2: He go uh, didn't he ghost her? It feels like he go, they ghosted That's her. what I'm.
0: Yeah, maybe that call was. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming, and then he ignored the rest of the calls. Yeah, he had full intention of not going and didn't go. Possibly.
2: I'm so glad you but, brought this up, Zach. Because but I had, to I protect wondering. himself,
0: he said he canceled.
1: Yeah, and so I, I guess I'm gonna share my my feelings on that. And again, I know people will disagree with this, and I. But but this is just my my takeaway from it is because of the flurry of calls from Becky to Robert and Christian after the one time when they actually spoke I definitely get the get the feeling that that Robert I'll put it this way if in that call it was made very clear that Robert is for sure coming then I don't think we see the flurry of phone calls afterwards I think that there was maybe it was he was he was maybe kind of amb- ambiguous during that call like Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll probably, we'll see what happens. Maybe something like that. And that's because if he was like, yeah, I got to do a couple things. Because remember, he was going to mass right after he got off with Becky. He called Sacred Heart. He called 411, called Sacred Heart. So, you know, maybe, yeah, I got to go to mass or whatever. And then we'll come up or. But I got the feeling that maybe because she was calling him afterward, that he left it somewhat open mm-hmm. about whether he was coming or not maybe indicated that he was but then he wasn't really and, th- and then the way i see it is if he's doing that if in a big if if he was telling the truth in his interview where he's like he just really didn't want to go but didn't want to deal with it then that you know that's why he's ignoring the calls and she keeps calling and then they shut their phones off. Like, I can see th- I uh, And again, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I can see that scenario. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see it a different way or? I mean, that's
2: literally what I just said. Yeah, (laughs) correct. (laughs) Ahoy, Bob, wake up. No, Um, but uh, so let me ask this question because it's not in the questions and probably it's not in the questions because people were following the whole uh, timeline better than I was. I did go to the site. It was very helpful to look at the physical. I'm a very visual person, so it was very nice to see the list of calls laid Mm. out as well. But now I'm blanking. Was there a call to Sarah? Was there a call with Sarah? around any of that time to where he might have mentioned it to her and she was also like, please don't do that. Like, don't go up and have a romantic no. hike in the evening with my with your ex-girlfriend.
1: Yeah. No, Sarah called him while his phone was off. She called a couple times. That was the only time but, they talked. Right. That day. Yeah. Okay.
2: Because that, you could, you know, you could see a, a situation in which a teenage boy Thinks maybe he doesn't think that much of it one way or the other, but then his girlfriend mm-hmm. in the moment at the time is like that makes me feel super uncomfortable. But he doesn't want to throw her under the bus and say like well right. she told me I couldn't go. So then he sort of says like for a number of reasons it didn't make sense for me to go. I canceled right. when it wasn't that cut and dry across the board. Sure. I'm just real quick, uh, the timing on her flurry of calls to them. Are you saying that that's her? Trying to get a solid answer from him, or she's calling them because that's around the time that he was supposed to show up. Potentially,
1: I, I'm thinking it's probably close to the. If he told her he had to do the mass thing, then it would be way before he because you know, they, they start start at like seven ten or seven twelve, something like that. So he couldn't have been there by that point if that was the if that was the plan. Okay. So, yeah, it could have been trying to get a solid answer if he's coming. I've got another thought on that, too. That I'll do, try to get through real quickly so we get these the questions. But another thing to, to consider is, according to Javier, when Becky talks to Javier, after she talks to Robert, she says, Robert's coming up to go on this hike. So if that's true, that means that, that Robert definitely didn't tell her, no, I'm not coming. She wouldn't have told Javier, Robert's coming up for a hike. If he definitely told her he's not coming. Or maybe she would have. I, I shouldn't say that, because maybe she would still just fib about that or whatever. But another, another thing I thought of with the flurry of phone calls is I could see a scenario. Again, a potential possible hypothetical scenario wherein Becky something's happening at the house. So Becky is like calling Javier and calling Robert and calling Christian. But from their end. It seems like God, she won't leave me alone. So I'm going to ignore her and shut my shut my phone off. When there was something more important happened, the only thing that and some listeners have suggested that my only problem with it is, I feel like there would have been if there was something like the intruders were in the house, there would have been a nine one one call there, not just 100%. calling your friends or texts
2: yeah. or voicemails. She wouldn't just call and hang up and not leave a right. message. I wouldn't think. I mean, I could be wrong, but um, I have a lot of other thoughts, but uh, I'm happy to say that many of them aligned with listener questions or I can sort of tack my piece of it on at the end. So uh, if we want to dive in, one of the one of the first things that we we should cover is that several listeners also suggested that maybe Becky, as you brought up this mysterious, why is she calling her own phone thing? um, Could she have been calling her phone because she lost it and was trying to find it?
1: Yeah, a ton of people asked about that. You know, they said she might you know, or, or or just said, like, oh, I know why. It's because she's calling The reason I don't think that's the case is because now there's this weird thing, and I, I still and for those of you that listen to the bonus episode, maybe you understand it better, I still don't get how Ian comes to the conclusion that her phone had service. But what I do know is her phone usually didn't have service in her house. So I don't think she would call her phone from the house phone to try to find her phone in her house because she would assume that it doesn't have service there. And and when I say that, so according to the record, the the file, at this time, the types of towers they had in 2006, the range of those towers was from two miles to five miles at the max. The two closest towers to her house, one's in Anza, which is, as a crow flies, 15 miles away. So it's triple the maximum distance of that tower. And the other one is down in the valley on Highway 74 before you get back into the valley, kind of the last little leg down the mountain. That is over 15 miles away, and there's a mountain between it and her house. So I don't think she would think that they or her phone would have service for that call to go through. I really think she was calling to check her voicemail. And and, right. and again, this is just my speculation, but if she's, she's trying to get a hold of I don't said, I I feel bad saying frantically, like I'm acting like she's like, you know, crazy or that's not what I'm getting at. But I, but I mean, she's, she's very intentionally trying to connect with Robert and Christian and she calls and it goes to voicemail. She calls and it goes to voicemail, calls and it goes to voicemail, tries Christian, it goes to voicemail. And then Christian calls her, assuming they had caller ID in 2006, which I think every phone did by then. Um, The call, the phone rings and, and, and that doesn't, that whole 24 second, one second thing doesn't necessarily mean Christian was like, Oh, she answered, hang up. It could have been it rang four times, and then as he's hanging his phone up is when somebody picks it up. But in any case, we know the phone connected to the house phone for one second. And right after that is where she calls Christian, and then she calls her phone three times. So I think she's like, oh, well, maybe he tried my cell phone. I'm going to try and check my voicemail. Goes through, hits the prompt, it says you have no new messages, hangs up. Waits a few seconds, tries it again, still no new messages, hangs up. I mean, I've literally done that before back in the day. Like, I know someone's leaving me a right. message, so I'm just Are waiting for the message. Are they done leaving it?
2: Has it come mm-hmm. through yet? For sure.
1: Right. That That's what I think happened.
2: And just to clarify, just so it's perfectly clear, it's not that she's calling Christian because he was also supposed to go on the hike. She's calling him because she thinks they're together?
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, yeah, they, they, were, they were, I don't know, actually. But yeah, I, I I think she knew they were together because it seems like she does because she tries when she can't get a hold of Robert, she calls Christian.
2: Yeah, I'm glad that you uh, distinguish the possibility of him not hanging up when she answers because that is just not a great look. It's not a great look, and it could be. I mean, yeah. I guess I guess that's what I was saying earlier. Is it with the very limited context that we have for these calls? It's really easy to see how you could interpret what's going on with Robert and Christian as suspicious, including this idea of like, oh, I just want... I mean, you could see how someone would say, well, yeah, he calls to make sure she's still there and hangs up when she answers because she's the target or whatever. You can just see how easily these concepts are malleable enough that you can sort of twist them into... And maybe that is what happened. I have no idea. I mean, nobody looks that guilty to me and yet at the same time nobody looks great to me in in, in the context of these phone yeah. calls so um, it's just I don't know what I don't know.
1: Yeah and as, as far as that goes like that, I doubt that because I've seen some people suggest that too well maybe just call to make sure she was still there. I doubt it because she called him like a minute before that. You know what I mean so right. it's it's like she just called him right. so he's I don't think he's going to call like 60 seconds later and see oh yep she's still there. Yeah. You know especially considering for him to call, they had to be at least forty-five minutes away down the valley, right? And then they would have no cell service the rest of the way. So I, I don't think that's it. But I also don't think that he would call and be like, "Oh, ha hang up." I think I think it was probably more like ah, it's rang four times, and as he's hanging up, they're picking up, and it just.
2: But just how kind does of him calling? How does him calling her back fit in with them being like, "Oh, she's blowing our phones up. We just want to ignore it."
1: Yeah, I, I have no idea. Unless I mean, I mean, all we can do is speculate, right? I mean, because I thought this, it's the same thing, like, like why did Christian call her back? But then it's shortly after that when the phones go off. So maybe it, she's blowing Robert up. So we see Christian's on the phone to Jackie, his girlfriend, while Becky is calling Robert. Mm-hmm. So I could see, like, like he gets off the phone and like, oh, Becky called me, calls her. And then if Robert's like, dude, no, like, don't do that. You Or maybe that's right. It could have been right when they got together. I don't, I, I don't know. This is all speculation, but just different scenarios where it could be. You know, off the phone, like, oh, Becky called me. I'm going to call her back. And, and maybe that's why the hang up, because he's like, dude, st- don't. She's trying to get us to go up and go hiking.
2: And as far you know, as Robert and Christian go, those are potentially things we could get answered down the, li- the, the line because we're not going to get. Yeah, answers we have on several those those people, but
1: as we start doing, you know, getting into individuals and suspects, persons of interest, um, yeah, there, there's multiple interviews with Robert and Christian. There's multiple interviews with Javier and Claire. Like, we have a lot more coming and you're going to hear for sure next week you're going to hear some more interview because as we mentioned we have the short week because we're going to West Memphis so I don't have time to write a whole episode um, so that'll probably be an interview episode where you get to hear more of that right. story
0: purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free see better and drive safer
2: with O'Reilly Auto Parts
0: O oh, O oh, O oh, O'Reilly Auto Parts
2: uh, Sherry had the question that you just discussed about uh, the cell service up at the mountain and how it was possible for her to have that service, um, that there was no cell tower that we know those things to have pinged off of. So you're not totally clear on why uh, Ian says we have service.
1: It, and and what's so perplexing to me is – he's and by the way, I talked to another expert yesterday that wrote in and said the same thing. He's like, boy, it, sure, it does look like, like the phone – ran like it, it connected, but – it doesn't have there's a on the records, there's like an IME, I e M E number, whatever. Like for all the calls, there's there's a there's a, a listing for that. And then there is a cell tower, an originating tower, and another tower. There's like it shows the towers that it's hitting and is connecting to. But then all these calls, there are no towers. There are there is no IME, whatever that, that number is. Hmm. All of that is missing. But they, but they both said, but because the way it's coded as because it's a call and then a forward to her voicemail, all three of those calls, four hmm. of them, um, and the way they're listed, it says the the call type is a mobile terminating call. And he said for that to be true, that means it had to have connected. But then I'm like, well, how, if it connected, then why isn't there a tower it connected to? Yeah. And they're and they're I don't well, you have to listen to the episode because I I couldn't even begin to break it back down. Well, the, the guy that talked to me yesterday said there's something called dragging where. If she was like connected to a tower and then pulled away from it, that it could have kind of like drugged that service where there's like, you know, it's not enough service to actually fully connect and answer a call, but it's enough to Hmm. get the phone. I don't know. It all seems
0: really strange.
1: Yeah. It's very confusing.
2: Yeah. Uh, OK, Caroline says, is it possible that the murder occurred earlier around 745 p.m.? The sub subs leave and then come back I on subs leave and then come back to burn the bodies and evidence just seems very strange with as much as Becky used her phone that the last time it appears she called out is 737 p.m. I realize that some of the phone calls seem to be missing per- periodically, but based on the call list for over three hours, we see no calls out. And no calls in. With a first call to Becky at ten twenty three p.m.
1: Yeah, so I th- I think that that is that's very possible. Something happened at that point, as Zach alluded to at the beginning, when he was asking, "Is it odd that she has this much activity on her phone?" No, it's not. What's odd is the no activity. So it could be. There's a number of things that could that could. That could be occurring there and not limited to what I'm about to say. There's a lot more possibly, but I'm looking in the context we know is maybe whoever she was going to go hiking with showed up then and they yes. were out walking out back, that whether that was Robert and Christian or whether that was the other guy that Robert says that she was going to be with, that somebody got to the house and then they were busy at that point. It could have been, and and that could be the killer or that could not be the killer. That person could have came and went before you know the murderers got there. There's there's possibilities. There. Or that's when whoever the killer is showed up, and the murders happen, and maybe it took a long time before they set up and figured out what to do, or they left and then came back, or they left and someone else came back. Something's going on there. Another possibility is, uh, a few people have mentioned, maybe there's a nap in there, or there's, mm-hmm. you know, at some point she's going to want to take a shower and get dressed and ready for work. Maybe she took a nap. Maybe she went and... and took a shower got cleaned up whatever there's a lot of things that could be going on there but it's definitely peculiar that all of the activity ceases after 737 where she's not there's calls to her after we know she's dead but from that point until she dies we have no activity to her from the phones but yeah. we also know that that phone which is just another just frustrating thing we know for a fact that that landline, called, made phone calls that aren't on the landline records. And then a couple of people were like, well, it could be because it's long distance. And I was like, well, why would would Robert's number be long distance, but Javier's isn't, or vice versa? Maybe there's an an explanation for that. But then I realized there's incoming calls on it. You're not billed for incoming calls. Hmm. So if there's incoming calls on the landline, then it's not like a billable long distance thing. I don't know. So for all we know, she was on the phone that whole time. She could have been on the landline that whole time.
2: Oh, it's maddening. We
1: don't know it. Yeah.
2: That's maddening. Yeah, that's what you talked about with the the nap is definitely something that Kristen had brought up as a possibility that maybe she took a nap. And then perhaps even the nap was interrupted by the beginning of the crime or something like that. Yeah, Um, I
0: hadn't thought about the nap, but the nap makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Because she slept for what? Her phone was inactive in the morning for less than six hours, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe that's all the sleep she needs, but
2: who knows? So uh, Pamela says, and hi, Pamela. I think I saw you uh, show up in the YouTube as well. And there's a lot of really good um, feedback coming into the YouTube, uh, different theories. Some, you know, Jason says he thinks she did, did go on a hike. Um, I saw something. I thought I saw something about a nap in there as well. Um, uh There's there's some really great stuff going on here and also some nice check. Everybody's kind of checking each other and making sure that we're not um, we aren't building a case too much against anyone because there's just like so much that we still don't know. Um, But Pamela says one of my first thoughts listening to the phone records was maybe none of these friends were involved. And Pamela, I share that feeling. I very much felt the same way. Again, not knowing what I don't know. I was like, it's so it's so possible that she wasn't the target and that none of this matters. I mean, it certainly right. matters in terms of who the case was built against and what really happened. But, you know, how much are we trying to how much would someone trying to accuse one of these folks of the crime be reading into something when it literally has zero to do with what happened to everybody? Exactly.
1: So th- this could all be for nothing. If if Becky is not the target, then that means none of this matters. So then you start looking at well, a couple things we know. I can tell you this. Javier's phone. If Javier was the one with his phone, which most likely he was, Javier could not have been at the crime scene at the time of the murders. His phone's being used down in the valley, or at least receiving calls down in the valley during the times of of the murders. You know, and and, and he's actually on it. I think at like nine twenty nine. Uh, so like so so Javier. Is alibi from being up at this crime up at the crime scene? Robert and Christian, we have the gap. In my opinion, and we're gonna so this in this week's episode. I'm going through the cell phone expert's testimony, and you're gonna hear how the state got around, how they think, how, how they convinced the jury that Robert and Christian could have been there. But I, from from my experience, based on when the fire had to start, from the um, the body burn expert. And where they were at when they connected to the when they when they called check the voicemail down the valley, the timing to me is impossible for Robert and Christian to have been there. You've got the you know uh, Jacob's phone is off all day, which you know you can look at like oh well that's perfect he made it so you couldn't track where he was at. Couple things: one, he shut it off way early in the day, like at like two in the afternoon or maybe before that. Um, so that's been some really heavy, and then you got to know about cell phone pings. You got to know a lot of stuff to be able to do that. But then you have the next day, just the the like he is a flurry of calls. Like once he seems like some, he must have heard from someone that something happened. He's calling Javier, calling Becky, calling Javier, calling Becky's home, calling Javier, calling Becky's landline, calling her cell phone, calling Javier back and forth, back and forth. It's not like just placed a call to make it look like I'm checking. It sure looks like. He doesn't know anything happened. Could have been any of them. Or again, if Becky's not the target and she was the interruption, then this was just a bunch of teenagers doing teenager stuff.
0: Yeah. I want to go back to something you brought up, which is which is Javi in, in his record. And we know that based on his record, he was in the Valley. Yeah. Something is strange there to me, though. I'm not saying he's a suspect at all. But what's strange is his lack of communication after a certain time. Right. He is her best friend. They communicate Constantly. I mean, you see it. I mean, they communicate constantly and he calls Denny's and what do they say? She's not there. And then he calls her cell phone and she doesn't answer. But then he just gives up until the morning. Seems right. very strange, especially if he knows she's supposed to be at work. Mm-hmm. There seems like there would be some communication because of the amount of communication they have leading up to this.
2: Well, I was going to say it's also not great. And I'm sure we'll hear more about this, but. You've said a couple of times just in passing that he says that he just went up to take a drive and any true crime fan knows that's never a good sign when you just go, I just needed to take a drive. That doesn't mean that's not what he did. And there's we'll get to somebody's hypothesis about why possibly he would decide not to get too into why he did take a drive. But that is such a red flag to law enforcement when you're like, and then I just felt like I needed to go take a drive somewhere. I feel like the cliche is like, ooh, you should have a better answer than that.
0: Yeah.
1: Wasn't a red flag to this law enforcement. Yeah, I agree. We, we I, I was going to expand on what you said, but I think we got questions about it. So okay. we'll, we'll get back into it as we move along.
2: Great. Okay, Uh, and Pamela did mention the you know the stuff we've been talking about with Robert and Christian and their phones being off and and whether that even means anything. Um, Kristen also says uh, we had a question from her earlier. Could the reason why Robert and Christian's numbers don't show as outgoing calls on the home phone is because there's no charge to call their number? Maybe other phone numbers there was a minimal charge. There's still a lot of chat in uh, in our live YouTubers about that too, trying to sort of postulate why things wouldn't show up. Um, uh, Teresa just wants to clarify just to kind of put this part of it to bed, you didn't like exclude calls that happened that just weren't to this friend group, right? Like everything no, that you talk about, that's it, period, full stop.
1: The, the only person I did that with, and it was basically because of time, was uh, Jacob. Because um, the, the next day in the morning, there's a bunch of calls back and forth in the morning. He's calling some 800 number and some other stuff, but I, I didn't have time to break those down Before I had recorded, and I think I said that on the episode, like there are, when we get into Jacob as a, like looking at him as an individual, we'll get much more into his call records and stuff. But yeah, he had a bunch of calls with a completely different group. Uh, So I just want to make sure that that that's, other than that, no, with, with, with Javier, Becky's landline, Becky's cell phone, uh, Robert and Christian, and even her parents who didn't really have any activity, that's every single call text they had in and out during. The yeah,
2: day. and by the way, Jeff, in YouTube, I'm not saying that I think when someone goes for a drive, it means they're a murderer in at no, I don't feel that way. and I am a person who like just likes to take a drive. I'm just saying for those for all of us who have heard enough things, that's usually a red flag or not and again, not a red flag because it's real and it should be. It's usually a red flag to law enforcement. They often mm-hmm. go, well, I don't like the sound of that. No one just goes for a drive. But Jeff, I agree with you. People do just go for a drive, especially when you're living in a small area where there's nothing going on. Like all I did in Tucson was go for drives with my friends. We had nothing to do except go for long drives for no reason. So I'm with you on that. Um, Teresa does say about uh, Javi's interview and about where Jacob sp- supposedly was uh, that it, Javi's interview at the scene. He mentioned that Jacob was at his twin brother's house in Costa Mesa. Uh, has anyone checked on that? Um, just in terms of where Jacob's phone appears to have been around 6:30 or around midnight when his phone was pinging in the valley any any thing to talk about on that yet
1: yes uh, it, all there is to talk about on that is the fact that i shouldn't have wrote valley in his call record so the, so the, so that document that i posted was really just my working document that i was using to decipher all this um i don't know his tower location so like it's just like tower number 4423 and it's a different carrier than Robert and Christian. So, like, I know the four towers for Robert and Christian. I know their numbers because they're very integral to the case. Uh, he has Jacob has a different um, carrier, and it's like Tower four four two four, uh, and it's a consistent tower. He's hitting a bunch, and then there's nothing, and then he checks his voicemail, hits that same tower, then there's nothing, and and then can reconnects to it. I just wrote in the in that document. So I'm trying to, it was trying to like bookend when people went in and out of service. I put that he's in the valley, no service, no service in the valley. Um, but I should point out, I, I don't know that that tower is in the valley. It could be in a completely different town. Okay. Um. So we'll get into that. So yeah, definitely don't, don't look at that as Jacob, you know, for sure being down in the valley and, and Javier lying about where he's at. I don't know where that tower is at. And I shouldn't have put that in the in the notes there because I hadn't verified where they are.
2: No, oh, okay. Um, Lynn, Kate, uh, this is a good question, uh, real quick, this is, this is not totally connected to what we're talking about um, in this very moment. But Kate says, Bob, were the traffic lights that you uh, ran into when you drove it in your present day test, were they, do we know that they were present in the 2007 timeframe?
1: That's my understanding. Yeah. From the local that I was, that I was with. Uh, yeah. There was that's that, that strip down there has just always been a lot of, A lot of lights.
0: Well, one thing that just occurred to me, like thinking about everything, is the Robert and Christian or Robert's cell phone ping comes from Cathedral City. Correct. That's what we're saying it's coming from. I think next time you're out there, you really need to look at that mountain pass and see where that goes, because that dumps into Cathedral City.
1: We had several uh, listeners. We haven't talked about that, but several listeners that are very familiar with the area Mm -hmm. um, now and back then. It's a it's a hiking trail and a biking trail. And they said that it's and they some some somebody even sent me photos of it okay. or, or posted them like it's impassable with a vehicle like okay. it's it's washed out and it's 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 like a biking trail maybe with a big like four wheel drive off road jeep you could get through but mm-hmm. from, from way it sounds that was not passable to get to actually drive through it
0: understandable it's just a, a theory because if you're driving around I mean that pass goes directly to
2: mm-hmm. there that's a really good right. point yeah so. I'm glad you brought that up. Lynn uh, mirrors some of the uh, other folks' feelings uh, about the episode, kind of left her thinking that the young adults aren't the murderers. Um, Jacob did stand out a little bit to Lynn just because he had his phone off so much. Um, And we've talked about the idea of maybe, you know, not wanting his phone to be tracked. But also Lynn brings up the possibility of just being short on cash and not wanting to keep his phone turned on and really just using it as a sort of message message collecting service um and and calling it to see if there were voicemails and stuff what do you think that's
1: it's a yeah it's a really good point because we can't look at these cell phone records in a 2022 mindset in 2006 cell phones were very very different there were not unlimited plans like you you had a certain number of minutes you got per per month and then you got like nights and weekends remember all those those deals and then some had where you could have like your Circle or your your like favorite ten people that you could have free calls to and text messaging was super expensive. It was like like a penny or a dime or something it's per like a, text. I, I
0: think when I had it, it was like ten cents a text. Yeah, yeah that's um, so crazy. It, it
1: wasn't super popular texting. Like I got my first text. I remember specifically in October, uh, and I know it because I was I was bow hunting. I was sitting in a tree stand with my Nextel flip phone. And my friend Ryan sent me a text message and I opened up my phone and was like, what is this? Like I, ha- I didn't even know <laughs> what it was uh, when it came through. I had no idea how to reply to it or anything like that. So there were people in this group was texting in 2006, yeah. but it was it was relatively new at that point.
2: I'm so glad that some – you remember that stuff because I – everything is a blur to me now. I'm like, I thought I had my iPhone. Like, I can't. I have a terrible memory for that stuff.
1: Yeah. I think the iPhones came out in 2007 or eight. somebody said in the –
2: Yeah. I think it was 2007. And I definitely had friends, of course, in L.A. who were like, I must have it immediately. And we're like waiting outside (laughs) the the phone store. Um, Right. uh, Kristen says, Aguenga – I think I said that right. Yeah, Aguenga is a known area where illegal pot is grown interesting uh she says maybe Javier went up there to buy pot and then provides it to friends which is why he was in contact with so many people and why he doesn't really have a reason to be in that area i mean again i'm glad you brought it up but like boy echoes of adnan echoes of adnan and Jay. right uh conversations it, very interesting it, thoughts
1: it, and i and, and i don't know i certainly wouldn't 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 like accuse him of that's what he was doing but i would say this that it would make sense if he went up to buy some pot. It also doesn't mean shit and doesn't mean that he has any involvement in the murder. If he was thousand you know, percent, buying absolutely, a, as a teenager buying some weed. Oh my god, you yeah. know. <laughs> but, oh no, for sure. But for that's sure. a really good point. If that is, if that's true, if Agüenza is an area where that went on, because he, yeah, he just Because we were talking about earlier, like you know, drive when you're out in the suburbs. There's nothing to do. Like he came from the Coachella Valley where there's tons of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And drove all the way out into the middle of nowhere and back. Yeah, uh, during that time. So,
0: well, and it, it, we've seen it before, where somebody will have a little lie to cover something up because they don't want to get in trouble for that. Right. Which now makes them look more suspicious on something bigger. Right. Because they're worried about getting. You know, he's worried about getting caught with pot.
1: Yeah, and, and well, and like we hear, like if you re listen to his interview, if 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 memory serves, like he lies to the police about Becky smoking. I think they ask if. She smokes pot, and he's like, oh, I don't know, I don't think. So. And then her other friends are like, Oh yeah, she smokes pot all the time. Mm-hmm. I see it in her, she she writes about it in her. Um, uh, we haven't got got to that yet, but like we don't have her journal, but they have her, um, biology book where she had wrote some notes, and most of it's just a bunch of phone numbers and stuff. But like she's like passing a note with somebody, and it's hard to read, and and she asked them, and one of them they're like, Do you smoke? And she's like, Just, and she's like, Just weed, you know. So it was, mm-hmm. but but point being, yeah, in two thousand six, it was it was. Not weird for a teenager to lie about, you know, going to get pot.
2: Yeah. Speaking of driving, um, I cannot miss this opportunity to quickly shout out the conversation that's happening between Hannah and Montana. Just wanted to acknowledge that. So the Hannah Montana <laughs> okay. conversation uh, is about uh, just a little bit of discussion about roads. It ties into the question that Kate had about stoplights and your drive and how much everything is like it was and whether or not the roads may have deteriorated further from where you, you know, from from what what people were driving on then to what your road test is. Could it even been harder and taken longer uh, uh, for you? because things are worse now, you know, just some questions about timing on that. Yeah.
1: So when I talked to Tim Summerly, you know, who's lived up there for 20 some years, um, he said that it's, you know, when I was up there that day, he said, it's always a version of this. You know, he said, It's always been, you know, there'll be some road, you know, and there was, there was a rainstorm like a week before this. So there would be washouts in certain places, you know, and remember the fire trucks turned down one way, had to back up, change directions, got stuck somewhere. Um, yeah. But it's always, you know, it's always like, it's dirt, there's rocks, there's washouts, they're not always, you know, and then somebody will, come. The, the county doesn't maintain it, so, so somebody up there will take a tractor or bulldozer and fix one of the roads, and then another one will wash out, so it's just it's kind of a mix of that. Also keep in mind, when the drive test was done, which we're going to be getting into this week, by the police, it was done 10, 15 years later,
2: right. or,
1: you know, or, or, yeah, over 10 years later when they did their drive test.
2: Got it. Paula says, do we know if Javier typically called Becky on her cell phone while she was working at Denny's? It seems he was calling because he hadn't heard from her in a while and was checking to see if she made it to work.
1: Yeah, that's usually all they talk on. That's why the call to Denny's was odd to me. It's jumped out. Was um, I did see one other time in the records when I was glancing through them where Javier did call. So it's not the only time he's called Denny's. Um, but normally, yeah, like all night they'll be, like the night before, they talked all night, like she would call him, he would call her, uh, he'd call her, she wouldn't answer, but then an hour later she'd call him back, or he'd call her again, there was texting back and forth like all night long while she's at work.
2: Uh, remind me, how many days a week did she typically work at Denny's?
1: Javier said in his interview that she worked the graveyard shift on the weekends. Okay. So I don't know if, because of course the police at that time didn't talk to the Denny's employees, I don't know if it was only on the weekends, but that's what Javier said, was that she worked the graveyard on the weekends.
2: Okay. Um, Janaya says uh, her first question is, uh, I think we've addressed it, but let's touch on it again. Where is the call to Denny's about Becky forgetting the shirt? We know that that call could have happened from the landline and it perhaps just wouldn't show up, right?
1: Yeah, we don't know. So we don't see it. I've, some people have speculated that that was Javier calling and maybe the Denny's managers mixed up that maybe Javier called and said she forgot her shirt. And of course, that's very you know accusatory towards Javier. I doubt that's the case. And, but then, you know, we have the landline, and a lot of people who don't think that call ever happened or like, see, it didn't happen. So let's move on. But the problem is we know what we learned from this process is she made calls from that landline that didn't show up on the, on the call log. Um, yeah. There's more stuff we're going to get into with Denny's employees up down the road. Like she, you know, there was somebody I, I know who made the call to her from Denny's now we'll get into it. wasn't the manager. Play. It was it. It was an employee that was like pissed off because she wanted to go home. She wasn't okay. there. Okay. That that made the call from Denny's that night,
0: and this is like the eleven thirty 1130 call, eleven
1: thirty four, yeah, some, something okay. like that. Okay. Yeah.
2: Did that help you understand better what her shift time, her sh- her start time was?
1: No, because she says that she started sometimes at nine, sometimes at eleven.
2: Okay.
1: We'll we'll get into all that, but uh, a few people and I don't remember if I put it in the questions, but made it made the point of because I said well. I don't think they'd wait an hour and a half to call her, so she probably was due to work at 11. If they called her, it was like 11.34 they called her, and then somebody else pointed out that if she called and said she's going to be late because of her shirt, then they probably would wait longer. So now maybe if it was 9 o'clock, she was supposed to be there, and she says, oh, I got to go, it's almost 9, but I got to go back up the hill and get it. They figure out it's going to take an hour, and then all of a sudden it's 11.30 and she's not there, they would... You know, they would call then, or if she was supposed to be there at 10. And, you know, if if that call happened, if the I have to go back and get my shirt call happened, it would make sense that the call would come later.
2: Right. Which, how could that come later? Because she was already deceased.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, the call, I mean, not well, her call dead.
2: to them would come later, and then their call to her would come later. Right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Janiyah also asks a, a very uh, good question that I think a lot of people have questions about. Um, which you may not yet know the answer to, which is who is Josh Ernie?
1: He is a, is, there's interview, police interviews from him. He's another person we're going to get into later. Okay. He is someone she met at Denny's. Um, is what I have like in the, like the summary of the police files that she's like a friend, someone she met at Denny's okay. that she was talking to that night, you know, through her night shift at Denny's, she was talking to him on the phone and the morning
2: speculation about whether he would have maybe been the person that was also going to go on the hike
1: or who knows I mean, we don't know because again we don't know who else she called from her landline
2: yeah uh and then Janaya's final uh question is the oh three seven one call for two minutes pretty solidly alibis javier can we find out who this was to?
1: i hope so i mean i've been i've tried every resource i have so far to identify that number because it, it, it comes up at a few critical times, so I want to know who that is.
2: Yeah. Sarah says, do you have phone records for the wider circle of friends mentioned in this episode? Nick, Josh, Claire, Janelle, et cetera.
1: No. They pulled eight records, and you heard them all. Uh Again, okay. short, of, wow. short of Javier. You, know, you heard them all for that day. Uh, short of, not Javier, Jacobs, that I didn't get into all the numbers outside of this circle uh, that he called yet. We will when we get more into him. But no, you have... John and Vicky's phones, which had almost had almost nothing on them. Uh Becky's the the landline, Becky's phone, and then you had Christian, Robert, Javier, and Jacob. Those are the only call records they pulled.
2: Okay. Uh, And then uh, Sarah also asks, and I did see a question, and I'm so sorry, it's there's so much happening in YouTube that it's hard to go backwards. Um, But I know someone kind of asked a similar question about Becky's habits towards calling Robert in recent days. Um, Was there anything in her call records that would indicate she was, you know, pursuing Robert, being obsessive um, about reaching him on in other circumstances? Uh, Anything like that?
1: No, they, they have contact. you know, the on Thursday is their first contact when Robert calls her, looks like it goes to voicemail, and then she calls him back, and they talk. Uh, and, and again, when we get into Robert's records, we're going to go, like, in detail about all this. I think there's a total of, like, 15, 15 or 18 points of contact between them over from Thursday through Sunday, including Sunday. So there's not a lot okay. of back and forth, but there's some back and forth through those days. As far as like her like calling repeatedly or something like that. I don't think so, but I don't want to I don't want to commit to that until I really dig through those records when we get into that.
2: Okay. So we'll be talking more about phone records in general, not just this episode, for if in case anyone's wondering.
1: Yeah, cuz a few people were like, "Well, what about this day? What about this day?" Like I said, what you heard Sunday was 3 weeks of work to get through that day. Yikes. So, But when we get into each person, we're going to expand those records out to get a better look and idea of what they, who they were talking to and what they were doing.
2: Gotcha. Um, Kristen, uh, real quick, does say, have you seen any calls to Denny's from the landline, from Becky's landline at all in your records? That's a really good question.
1: You heard all the phone records for the landline. They only pulled one day of record. It says in the report that when they were asking for records – they were told that it was $150 a day for the record, so they only got the one day.
2: They only got the one Yeah, so day. there's like a dozen wow, calls or how many
1: are on there. That's all we have.
2: I need a minute with that. That's yeah, really I, shocking to me. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. It's really not shocking, shocking to me, but it's definitely Well, <laughs> I'm sure it shouldn't be shocking. <laughs> yeah. I am. I'm still actually. I'm still a little shocked. Um. Robin says, "Was Andrew interviewed? Who is he in relation to Robert and Christian? Um. And by the way, none of these people are Jacob's roommate. Right.
1: No. So no. we still don't Austin. know much
2: about this person who yelled at no, her. No, but we're going to get into him. Okay.
1: Um. Uh. So Andrew, I did find out because he reached out to me. Andrew is not Andrew. Andrew is Sam Geyer or Geyer. I'm not trying to pronounce his, his last name. Uh, Andrew's his father, but it was the phone. They they just pulled the records and it was listed or I pulled them and they were. Um, I think they I think the police had his number in the file, but that is his. The phone was in his dad's name, but he he reached out to me to let me know. And I'm actually going to be interviewing him on Friday. So soon enough, we'll hear from. So for those you don't remember, or Sam which was listed as Andrew in the records was the one other person that Robert and Christian talked to that night both before and after their phones were out of service and so I've asked him if he'll I don't know what he's got to say yet but he's you know if he wants to get on the phone and and share with me what those conversations were about and and what was going on that night so and he's agreed to do that so that'll be um, coming up soon
2: very cool uh, Anthony says do we have access to Ron's phone records how many of the days? of the existing phone data do we have? I think you did not name him when you talked nope, about the records that were pulled.
1: not in one of the eight records they pulled.
2: All righty. Uh, Kristen says, do, this is, I'm so glad she asked. We've talked about some of what we're feeling about the what their call records show or don't show. Um, Kristen wants to know, do the phone records solidify your hypothesis that Becky was not the target? The more I listened, and again, she's one of the folks who thought, the more I listened, the more I thought none of her friends were involved. How are you feeling, Bob?
1: That's a great question. Tricky question to answer. I was looking, because I was looking at those records and everything in my focus for all that time on doing so was about Becky and the calls to Becky and around Becky. That's where my mind was at. And so I'm looking at anything that looks suspicious. But then when I came away from the end, you know, I thought like, I was like, well, Jacob looks really suspicious. Then I get into his next day. I'm like, well, he's blowing up her phones. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't look like you know and maybe it's a, it's a great forensic countermeasure but i don't I, I don't know no it didn't it didn't really it didn't really solidify anything for me it's all at this point i'm just you know i don't see that on the crime scene that becky was the target jim obviously think he leans that way that he th- he sees it in the crime scene that he thinks maybe she was the target i'm still just gathering information before i, I, I anything's really solidifying to me right now and as of, as of now no reading those records didn't really push me hard in one way or the other
2: Okay, and then um Kristen says, if Robert canceled the hike at the six fourteen phone call and then Becky spoke to Javier at six nineteen, wouldn't she have told Javier that Robert canceled the hike? We talked about this a little bit ago. Why would Javier deny knowing that the hike was canceled uh, deny telling Robert about the wheelbarrow? Maybe this question is better for when we get into suspects,
1: yeah, I mean, i I mentioned earlier that I think it's you know, if we take what Javier says on face value, then it probably indicates that, Robert was probably either said he was coming and then, well, of course, he could have went Um, that either he said that he was coming or he was kind of ambiguous about it, which is what I lean towards. I don't think she's blowing his phone up if he was very clear. Yes, I'll be there. I don't think that she would have been trying so hard to get a hold of him. But then, you know, it's I don't think that was her intention. But to me, it does tie in that we also we don't know, but it sure seems like Javier did tell Robert about the wheelbarrow. And yet he's denying that it's, you know, and that's based off of, you know, when you listen to Robert's interview, his jumping and asking the questions about the wheelbarrow, if that was true, if it was real to the police afterward, Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott looked at it didn't seem like he was lying, like he genuinely didn't know what happened. He said it came from from Javier. We know Javier was up there. We know neighbors were talking about it. We know now that he spoke with his father. Uh, He spoke with his mother. It seems like that information probably did come from Javier, even if Robert was the killer. It still seems like Javier told him, but then he's lying about that. We'll get into all of it later, but but Javier is an interesting character because on one hand, like I said last week and again this week, his phone records seem to completely alibi him. At the same time, there's some really weird stuff goes on with Javier throughout this process, which we'll hear as we move along.
0: When you say that, he is one of the few that actually... Does have an alibi during that time with the phone records, because all the other key players have a lack of communication during when we think the crime. We don't know where
1: Jacob was. We don't know where Robert was. We don't know where Christian was. Yeah. Mm. During that time.
2: Well, it's going to be really interesting to get more into suspects uh, just to return to the fact that, you know, as the police are pressing friends who continue to say, I don't know, this must have been an accident. I don't know how this could have happened. Maybe mm-hmm. it was an accident and Becky even did it, all that kind of stuff. And they kept pressing, pressing, pressing. But if I would needed to go to someone, who would I talk to that, there, you know, a handful of people, not even a handful, but that people say, Robert, um, I'm sure we're going to be coming back to that deeply when we get into suspects, because it seems like Javi bringing up those things, whether or not he was protecting himself because he felt like he wasn't supposed to have told those things or he really didn't like Robert or he genuinely thought Robert might have had something to do with it. It's 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 a tough thing to overcome, I would imagine, as a suspect in a case when you when people hand you a name the you know, right, the day after or a week after or whatever and say, I would talk to this person. That's a that's a big deal to be to to be one of the people who says you should talk to this guy right so it's gonna be I'm so interested to find out you know it, it, more about why all of that was said where it came from and uh and so forth
1: yeah and definitely it's going to get really interesting where I tell you what it's tricky for me to figure out where this this case goes in so many different directions at the same time all over the place so it's really difficult to figure out where to go next and so I'll tell you like where we're going next is kind of like the state's case against Roberts kind of expanding on cell records which is where we're going to start going this weekend but yeah we've got a we've got a lot of work to do
2: We got a lot of work to do. And there's, again, so many factors we don't even know about, like Montana just mentioned, as we're about to wrap this up, this idea of something more random being a a, a stranger who has the opportunity to focus in on Becky on a regular basis at the public place where she works. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just so much that feels possible. Bob, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared (laughs) that we're not going to. I'm scared that we're not going to get to the bottom of some of the stuff that no one bothered to investigate then.
1: Yeah. <sighs> well, we're going to make a lot of progress. Like I said, at the beginning of the season, this is going to be a long season. You can probably figure buckle yourself in for most of 2020, 2022 uh, to get through this because there's just so much to dig through. But but, but things are working. You know, there were, like I have people reaching out to me. I've That's had great. two people connected to the case in the last week reach out to me. I had a third person that was connected to the case Uh, In a different way, Uh, reach out to me this week that's 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 sharing some materials like there's like that's what that's what we've been hoping for is to rattle the bushes, to shake some people out that we didn't hear from at trial that the police didn't bother to talk to uh, that we're going to talk to you now. So
0: that's, that's great to hear. Yeah.
1: So So we're we're making progress. I'm very confident that we're, we're going to make some good progress here.
2: Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm scared, but I'm here for it no matter what. And I think everybody feels the same way. You've seen what the feedback has been like, uh, from the listeners. Mm -hmm. So we are all in, we're all in and, uh, can't wait for next week.
1: Yeah. Are we done with questions?
2: We're done with questions.
1: Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. So as I said, uh, make sure you tune in on Sunday. So Sunday, my intention right now, I've started writing. I don't know how lengthy this is going to get. So there were there were three experts. Um, there was a cell phone expert from the FBI. There was another cell phone expert that did, like, drive tests for towers. There was a police officer that did the drive test that tried to, that made it possible for, uh, for Robert and Christian to have been up there and still hit that tower at 1023 back down in Cathedral City. Um, uh, we'll see. We're going to get through at least two of them. In this week's episode, if not all three. So make sure you tune in Sunday. Remember, next week's follow-up is going to be on Tuesday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And next week, Zach and I will be going to West Memphis. So hopefully we'll see a whole lot of you there. Uh, and until then, just uh, keep digging. And for you patrons, I'll have that bonus episode up on the Patreon feed here uh, by the time you're listening to this.
2: Thank you. And thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys.
1: Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondering, Edited by Kelly Barron Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of createdintandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, truthandjusticepod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay wood Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a 5-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website to truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at truthjusticepod follow our personal accounts on social media I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at JanetVarney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833 However you do it, stay engaged stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff I'm Zach Weaver.
2: And I'm Janet Varney.
1: And this has been Truth and Justice
0: episode 12 a game of 12 <laughs> fuck a game of 12
2: i liked it yeah
0: hold on kelly put this at the beginning ahoy everyone <laughs> <laughs> kelly did not put that at the beginning <laughs> don't ever take direction from zach <laughs> <gasps> I'm beautiful. I don't know if you know that. Oh, my gosh. Do they still have moons over hammy or whatever that dish is?
1: I went all the way down to the ankle. And if you want to put your foot in front of your camera then to prove me wrong, then you can.
2: Not for free, buddy. There's a lot of foot fetishes <laughs> oh. out there. Not yeah. for free. Oh, yeah, Oh, yeah. Say goodbye to the dish and hello to Skystream, the new way to get Sky over Wi-Fi. So you can get unmissable Sky shows like The Last of Us and Succession as well as netflix and discovery plus and loads more all in one subscription for 26 pounds a month oh and next day delivery with no upfront fee sky stream tv simplified head to sky.com require sky stream and broadband minimum speed 10 megabits per second 18 month minimum term Cut off times apply for next day delivery excludes bank holiday 18 plus terms apply